today I'm going to be unveiling a lot of truths about the gold and silver market that you probably never knew. Welcome to Gold Silver Pros. Everybody, this is Rob Keens with Gold Silver Pros. Today I'm going to be unveiling a lot of truths about the gold and silver market that you probably never knew. Those truths include how the spot price is settled, how the markets actually trade, who's involved, who participates in them, and how everything really works behind the scenes. And this is from an interview that we have of the LBMA, which is uh, handles the UK market, along with the Silver Institute's researchers from Metals Focus, who do research on the Silver Institute. And there are several bombshells in this report that I think would be very interesting, particularly if you're a retail participant in this market and you're trying to figure out how the price works and whether you should buy now or buy later and how you want to invest. I think this video will be extremely important. Lots of things to talk about. We're actually going to do this in two parts, and we're going to listen to the interview, and I'll have commentary on it, and which I think will be very enlightening as to how everything actually works on this market. So we're going to be sharing an interview that the LBMA did with the Silver Institute going over silver statistics, but it's the questions and answers that get really interesting because these people reveal really how this market works, which is going to shock a lot of people because most people really don't understand. I think you could say a similar thing about gold. Many people assume that, you know, war plus in inflation at four decade highs. This sounds like a recipe for late 1970s bull markets in precious metals. But Verona, I know you're going to on your next slide, take a look at, um, you know, what's actually going on within the financial trade. In yes, in indeed. Thank you, Adrian. Um, I have an analogy which I've been using predominantly with respect to the gold market, but it applies every bit as much to silver, in that while the supply-demand fundamentals are absolutely vital in determining the way the, the market as a whole is going to go, um, we get the noise created over and above by what's happening with the professional money or the hot money, if you like, which can frequently dictate the speed with which a price moves um, before the physical then kicks back in, in one direction or the other, and it turns into a virtuous circle. Uh, and the analogy that I've tended to use is the, the fundamentals being the oil tanker, the, the futures in particular being the speedboat, um, because one, one will take its time and it will be very important for the overall flows in the market. The other one can be, to use the title that we've got for the webinar as a whole, can be that, that much more capricious. Uh, and just to give a sense of perspective here, a lot of, um, interest is paid to the relative turnover on I've, I've just taken comex here for, for, for simplicity on the futures markets against the underlying physical demand when it comes to gold and particularly talking about the depth and liquidity of the gold market so that's on the that's on the right hand side that's the one on the right yes um the same applies to silver only more so uh, if you take the the comex turnover in the past three years uh for silver and for gold against physical demand and that is defined according to the metals focus parameters so I've, I've taken the metals focus bottom line so that's industrial demand and identified investment activity but not including the exchange traded products right and while gold is anything from 70 to 85 give or take times the multiple in terms of annual physical demand over the past well that's 2019 2020 silver's twice that much yeah. Uh, so that that talks also to its volatility to some extent, 
Um, and again, they feed upon each other because you get stops hit and CTAs and momentum traders and so on and so forth. Applies right the way across the board to any asset class that's, that's got derivative markets. Um, but it's particularly interesting, the, the, the ratio between the futures turnover and the, and the physical. Uh, so on, on that background, given that background, if we move on to the next one, um, then... All right, we're going to go ahead and stop here, and I'm just going to back up a little bit to the screen before. It's very interesting to note, if you, the first thing I'll note on her slide is, so spot does not respond at grassroots level, but local premium do. And the physical market is much smaller than the professional market. What she's showing here is on these charts, these are the derivative positions traded. This is the turnover and actual derivative positions traded in tons of gold, the paper version. And here's what out of that, how many were physically delivered. So you have 3,927 physically delivered uh, contracts of gold from the COMEX in 2019, but there were 269,072 contracts settled. So there were 60 times, 69 times as much paper traded as actually physically settled metal. In 2020, the number went up to 86. In 2021, it fell down. That's because more deliveries are being taken off. And we started seeing that last year with silver squeeze in both gold and silver. And that's why these numbers have gone down. The ratios have gone down is that more people are taking physical delivery. Here's physical demand for silver, 3027.33 against the, the, the demand. And again, this is just I'm assuming this is on a daily basis because 30 contracts of physical silver is not much. We've certainly seen a lot more. So I'm just going to take this as a as a a daily number, if you will. And so you can see a fraction of the silver is actually delivered to what's actually traded on the COMEX. And so what they're going to eventually get to in here is what actually drives price. Is it the physical trade or is it the paper trade? And we'll get into that in a little bit. But that's really how the market price is determined. What they're saying here is determined by the by the derivative trade, the paper. It is not really at all determined about the physical. Now what they're going to talk about next are the ETPs. Those are exchange traded products. An ETP is something like an exchange traded fund or an exchange traded note, an ETF or ETN. It's not important that you really understand those other than to know that they are passive investment vehicles in which people can invest in gold and silver without actually physically taking delivery. And then the custodians for these ETPs end up holding the fiscal on behalf of the participants. And so when ETPs, when more demand comes into ETPs for these paper products, they have to back it up a metal means they have to go to the markets and get it. So what they're going to be talking about next here is when people come into ETPs and they take a paper position on gold or silver, how that gold or silver actually has to be physically secured through the markets and how that can affect physical supply. We're going to listen to that next. Times the multiple in terms of annual physical demand over the past, well, that's 2019, 2020. Silver's twice that much. Yeah. Uh, so that that talks also to its volatility to some extent. Um, and again, they feed upon each other because you get stops hit and CTAs and momentum traders and so on and so forth. Applies so right we're gonna fast forward to where um, we were before. ratio between us being talking about with respect go. to the metal coming into the market from the various different sources. Um, and John, the way John put it is exactly the way that I put it, because quite a few people at the conference were saying, oh, the market's absorbing all this metal that's coming out from different vaults and depositories and so forth. Uh, we tend to think of it the other way around. The metal's coming out because the market wants it. Um, and these numbers are up to date as far as towards the end of last week. So just to quantify those, and forgive me, I, I, I tend to think in tons, 
so we've, we've got a philosophical shift here between answers and tons. So um, I hope that that's all right. Um, exchange, exchange traded products down to so towards the end of last week in silver. Uh, that was a net reduction overall of 3,867 tons, uh, compared with roughly 37,000 tons for the, the demand side for this year from, from Phillips numbers. Um, so that means that between five and five and a half weeks global industrial and investment demand is being furnished by the ETP so far this year. Then when you add in the London... And what she just said there was, if you see what's happened to ETPs, silver is being drained out of the exchange traded products, the funds and the notes, but it's also coming out of London, which means they're not putting it back into their warehouses. So it's going off into the market, off of the exchange and into the market. That was the point that she just made. The ETPs, the ETFs and the ET uh, exchange traded notes and the funds are providing the silver to the market. It's not coming, it is coming off the stocks in London, but it's really coming out of the ETFs. So people are redeeming the ETFs for the metal. That's something that we've covered on our channel. Bullion Market Association numbers, which are only published monthly, so this only goes as far as the end of October, they're down by more, and a half, by more than 9,500 tonnes. And then you've got the COMEX numbers as well, which have dropped by almost 2,000 tonnes. So you take all those three together and make the, the cavalier assumption that I mentioned just now, that all the metal that's come out of ETPs has gone, has gone out and hasn't gone into other repositories. Um, then just over 15,300 tons of metal have come out of those three sort of intermediate sources, if you like, so far this year. Uh, which would be about, that's about 50% of fabricated demand. Just under, yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed so. Uh, so the question what about... What they're mentioning there is the amount that has come out in the last year is about half of fabricated demand. That's a lot why the spot price doesn't respond to strong physical demand gets tied in with this to some extent we have to bear in mind that there is the the hot money running through the system if you like and then we'll come on to the fact that we it, it does actually feed into physical demand um, prices because it goes into local premium which philip has, has already touched on um, and the element that i want to look at here is the chart top right which is the management Okay, she's about to talk about the management position, so I'm going to take a moment to talk about what we just saw. Essentially, what she was explaining was, uh, and what they're eventually going to get to, is how much of the derivative trade, the paper trade, and we saw that that was a factor of almost like 100 to 1, uh, depending on the gold or silver market in the year, but a big number, sometimes three to 400 times the amount of paper trade over that of the physical trade, which means that the that the paper has a big effect on the price and we'll get further into the presentation where they actually share with you how much they think uh, it affects the price and how that may have changed right now she's going to get into talking about the managed money segment of the market so i wanted to share something with you guys before uh, we get into that segment so you understand what the managed money is i'm going to switch over to the commitment of traders report this comes from the cftc uh, the cftc and you can see it from cftc.gov up here in the url bar the CFTC is the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. It's responsible for managing and regulating the commodity markets here in the U.S. So different than the LBMA, it's over here on this side of the pond. And I wanted to show you in silver, this is the report as of November 29th. It's the most recent one. It's always backward looking, which is why the date is behind by about 10 days. 
But you can see that there are different categories of traders. There are producer merchants and producers are like the miners and merchants are the people that use it. It would be like Samsung or Apple or any of these companies actually use the silver. The swap dealers are the bullion banks, people like Bank of America, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs and those types. The managed money are like financial houses, hedge funds and those types. And the other reportables are like wealthy family offices and other individuals or those types of uh, traders. And you can see here that there are large and short positions across both. And so depending upon how these positions uh, are, how, how people take positions in this market is whether the price moves up or down and who has exposure to the long or the short side. And essentially what she was saying um, was how that market can drive uh, the professional market or the paper traded market can drive the physical. And that's what she's talking about here, the managed money position. She's talking about this section of this report and their particular positions in silver. So it'd be their long and their short positions and where they are. And we'll let her talk a little bit more about that. Money positions on COMEX. Uh, now, managed money is typically hedge funds, or to some extent, there'll, there'll be an element of speculation in there as well. Whereas the other elements that the uh, CFTC tracks in its commitment to traders is more the, the spreads or it's the commercial side from, from a hedging standpoint. So the managed money is the one which gives us the best gauge in terms of investor and speculative sentiment. And that, uh, that included uh, the, uh, the gross short I'm talking about. The gross short, <coughs> excuse me, on COMEX uh, in, I think it was the first week of July, maybe the early in the second week, that hit 58,600 tons. And that was the biggest since July 2019. And it was around about that time when the silver price had tanked all the way down to $18 that we started to see that covered in. So over the course of the early part of September through to the peak in the rally, which was sort of mid-October, um, the silver price actually moved by 5%. Um, and a lot of that was driven by the short covering coming, coming through the, the financial sector. Um, so that's that's one of the reasons why spot prices don't necessarily reflect the fundamentals. They always do at bottom, but you've got this noise that's built in because of the activity in in the futures markets. Because the tail the tail is wagging the dog, then, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And uh, Jeff Jeff Rhodes in the uh, Dubai just to throw something in here. I I had the great good fortune to be at the Dubai Precious Metals Conference last week, um, and Jeff Rhodes was running a panel about price discovery, um, and. Jeff's been in the market for as long as I have, which is far too long. Um, and he's always been uh, a fundamentals drives the futures. But he was saying last week that possibly because he's now got a son who's active in one of the exchanges, but because the, the way he's been watching the markets over the past few years, he's increasingly falling into the camp that by the futures actually drives, drives the physical. But that's right. a, a matter for, for a debate elsewhere. Yeah. Um, John, so, uh, John, if all right, so we're going to stop it right there. A couple of things I want to talk about. First of all, the managed money position they were saying are the speculators. I wanted to point out if you go to the commitment traders report, you can speculate. Any of the categories of traders up here can speculate. As soon as you put a contract in that speculation, if you don't intend to take delivery. In fact, it's speculation even if you do, because you're speculating that the price will move in the direction you want when you take delivery. But there is a pure speculation uh aspect here where you can close a contract without ever having taken physical delivery and any of these positions can be speculative so while they're pointing out managed money is probably more speculative as a whole than some of these other classes any of these classes can take speculative positions they don't have to be hedging in fact the swap dealers don't need uh, all of their positions are basically not 
um, they're not hedging positions to actual metal because producer merchants take their own positions. So producer merchants can have their own hedging positions long or short of the metal because they're either producing or using it. The swap dealers won't have all that. So some of the trade through the swap dealers is more speculative and not just on the end of uh, hedging because you have a producer that's producing or somebody has to buy it. And purely speculative is defined as somebody just puts in a trade for the purpose of making money, but it has no intent of ever actually using it. So we're going to fast forward here to the 3250 mark where they talk about premiums. And it's very important really that we listen to this because the, the biggest thing I hear all the time are what about the premiums? What about the premiums? What about the premiums from the retail side? Why am I paying, you know, $7 or $10 an ounce over spot for an American Eagle? They're going to talk about that here in the report. And I think their conclusions are very interesting. So if you're wondering why premiums are so high, listen to what they have to say about that. The view on silver this year being so different between managed money, institutional money, uh, speculative money and retail coin buyers. I mean, you know, retail premiums on US Eagles, again, we learned this in Lisbon, $17 an ounce wholesale. It's just phenomenal. Um, and the market seems, you know, the end consumer here seems to be quite happy paying basically 100% markup for a silver eagle. Why do you think it is such an opposed view from the from professional money? I mean, to pick up on what John was saying, I mean, as, you know, you very well, you know, on one hand, institutional, looking at you know, real yields, concerns about a recession, that's obviously weighed on uh, base metals and silver with that hybrid role as a precious and industrial. I think that's also, also hit silver. So I think we've, that slide that Rona put up showing the, um, the net positions on silver, if you had one, for example, of copper, I think there will be a broadly similar correlation uh, between the two, um, pick on copper. Whereas, you know, again, to John's point, from a retail point of view, it's what's happening on your doorstep. So in Germany, you know, with the, with the war in Russia, that does really sort of resonate within Germany. As well as you know, inflation, and anyone who knows the German market knows that retail investors are exceptionally sensitive to high levels of inflation. And then you go across to the US, and I think your your point there that you made there, Adrian, about the premium on eagles, that I think is a bit exceptional. But you'll get still exceptional premiums on a maple or whatever else it may be, or even a one ounce round. And it's going think, to say because it's but it's been the sovereign product, it's been the sovereign mint products primarily there, hasn't it? I mean, the rounds, the premiums. I was looking last week, the premiums on private mint products were markedly less than those on sovereign mint. They're markedly less, yes, but they're still you know incredibly high compared to what they would right. expect them to be. Um, so really what you've had is you know, you've had that knock-on. So if the sovereign mint is is struggling to make product, and as a retail investor, okay, what else is out there? Is it 100, a 10, a one ounce round? So really everything is facing those high premiums. And I think something which I guess is more we see in the likes of say US or Germany is that the dealer may say to you that, well, if you don't buy a product today, I don't know what I'm gonna have tomorrow. Right. That's a great marketing line. It's true, but suddenly, you know, what a retail investor is hearing is, is a shortage of silver. That's not true either. It's a shortage of product in, in the right market, in the right form. Um, 
but again, it's a sort of becomes sort of self-perpetuating as well. So that high premium sells itself. It does absolutely because you know either you're buying for the price upside or perhaps you're buying for premium upside. Even as you said, you know the the eagle, you know trading at eighty or hundred percent premium, and these aren't these aren't spikes. All right, so uh, stop the share there for a moment and comment on that. So they're basically talking about the reason the, the premium rises. And he's basically making the point that because the sovereign mints are short, the premium rose higher, which is basically true. A lot of the sovereign mints haven't been able to get blanks of their planchettes. A, a lot of that has to do with retail demand. Retail demand is demanding that silver, and so there's less available, as well as it, in particular regards to the U.S. Mint. The U.S. Mint only wants to pay a certain amount for their product, and uh, a lot of the the private mints like Sunshine that put out that material can get a higher price elsewhere, so they may be putting it elsewhere. So I do think that retail is having an effect on the price of retail silver, but I think it also has to do with shortages across the market, which we'll get into in the second part of the video. This is going to wrap up the first part of the video, and that's basically a lesson in how the markets actually work. And the most important things that we learned from these market professionals from the LBMA and from uh, Silver Institute and Metals Focus is that uh, physical is such a small part of the market. Most of the market prices are determined, in fact, by the derivative trade. And even the analysts were saying there that it's really more traded by, or it's more the price, the spot price you pay is more determined by that paper market trade than it is the physical trade, which is something we've been saying for quite a while. We've noticed for quite a while. Uh, they talked about the relationship of the ETFs and ETNs, or the ETPs, whatever you want to call them, the passive investments and how that affects supplies. We talked about managed money's role in the market, and we talked about why premiums are so high. In the next video, we're going to talk about the professional market or the derivative market, and we're going to break that down a little bit more. We're going to talk about what happens to gold during stressful times. We're going to talk about how that can be measured with some key indexes that you'll want to pay attention to. We're going to talk about how the mints are on allocation for silver. We're going to talk about how the ETF inventory demand may affect silver in 2023. And we're going to talk about the miners that will come up in part two of the video, uh, where as well uh, to end up this series, if you come to uh, Gold Silver Pros Unfiltered, we'll put our conclusions on what we think, how this information could affect our view on the market in 2023 and give you our prediction for silver in 2023. So uh, you want to become a member of the channel if you're interested in finding that information out. In this segment, I want to talk about my thoughts on that video. I think that there is a, a genuine desire by these analysts to tell people what's going on with the market. But I think that a lot of stuff maybe wasn't talked about in its real sense, if that makes any sense. So let's let's just pull a couple things off the top of my head. They were talking about how the professional market has diverged from the physical market, but they didn't talk about the implications of that. We know that the paper drives the spot price. They know the paper drives the spot price. They pretty much admitted as much. And, and what, it, it, what it essentially means is you can move the prices up or down with the paper trade. And it just edifies you know, what we see in all of the lawsuits that have come out around manipulation and spoofing and things like that. And one of the things that they did talk about, they talked about the closed volume versus the amount of physical trade. So the amount of closed contracts and physical trade to where most of the trade is physical. But what they don't talk about are the trades that don't go through the spoofing and those types of things that can affect the price as well. Now, that can be a bit more temporary effect on the price, but it does happen quite a bit. We know from the fines that they were doing it several thousand times, sometimes a day or throughout the week or throughout the contract month. 
So we know that it's affected by the, the way that the traders put in the contracts, but it is good to see that they're acknowledging that essentially the spot price is not driven by fiscal demand, but it's driven by the paper and that th those two can be offset. One of the things that the lady mentioned during the interview was there's a disconnect between the professional market and the physical market where the professional market can be the quote unquote hot money. It's the money put in there that which is determining the current trade price, but the actual physical supply and demand fundamentals are much longer term. So she basically pointed out that physical demand is long-term and in gold specifically, they talked about physical demand being there for central banks and for the fear trade, whereas silver is more of the retail. It spikes because of the retail demand for investment during a panic. They talked about that. Um, what they didn't really talk about is why uh though that, that physical demand is not reflected in the spot price and why the derivatives are basically determining that over the top of the physical. I thought that that was very interesting admission from them. And again, it's not a conspiracy. This is market participants talking about this. And it's very interesting. Uh, I thought it was also interesting how they talked about managed money's role. I kind of mentioned in the earlier segment how managed money is not the only one that can put on speculative positions. Um, and I want to show you who has perhaps the biggest speculative positions in the market. So we're going to go back to sharing screen and I'm going to go over here to uh, to uh, Nick Laird's site, Gold Charts or Us. And he has a chart here that we like to look at. It's a concentration of traders in the CFTC COTS. Okay. And this is for how many uh, short days of production. So if you look here in silver, uh, the short traders, the largest eight, uh, have 150 days of silver production from the mines across the world covered with their shorts. Now, we also know if you go back here that the producer merchants can cover their own shorts. The producers of the producing have their own shorts to the tune of about 35,082 contracts of 5,000 ounce silver on the market. Why do the swap dealers, who are these bullion banks, as you see here, these are swap dealers, these are all bullion banks. Why do they have to cover so much uh, short production? And if you know just during the video, she mentioned that a lot of the movement in silver price lately was short covering. She said the short covers had to come in, and, and basically that was why the price was falling. Well, who is most likely to short cover? Well, it's the people that have the most shorts in silver, which would be the top four and eight largest banks. And if you have watched the show for any length of time, you know that on the control of the currency, OCC's report on derivatives, they have identified these four uh, banks. We know who they are. They're JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, and Citigroup. Those are the ones that hold the largest four positions and the eight or a few more banks on top of that. We know that from that report. So we know that the banks, the bullion banks are doing this. It's not the managed money. This is not managed money short positions. They're actually net long and silver. The short is actually coming more from the swap, swap dealers and producer merchants. But the biggest single shorters in there are the bullion banks. And those bullion banks can affect the price and that's why we've seen the fines come out lately, because they play in that end of the market much more. Well, there is a consequence, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, to going short. Recently, TD Securities was stopped out of a tactical short. This is reported by Kitco. It says here, after a dismal summer, the silver market appears to be making up for lost last ground. It should be lost ground. As prices end the week at their highest level since June. March silver futures have rallied more than 9% this past week, last trading at 23.40 an ounce. Silver is seeing its best weekly performance since August 2020. This is written at the beginning of December, so the prices won't be exactly correct. But it says here, TD Securities announced Thursday 
that it was stopped out of its tactical short silver position. The bank said it is booking a 14% loss after an epic positioning squeeze contributed to a 25% rally in the October lows. So here we have a report of TD Securities, one of the managed monies getting stopped out of their tactical short positions. Why? Because a lot of managed money is going along. So this is where TD Securities trades. They got stopped out of their tactical short positions. And you'll see other managed monies dropping short positions, net-net adding about 1,900 longs when you look at the net of these two numbers. So they're going more net long. And so they got stopped out of their short position and had to pay a lot of money. So you can get stopped out when the price rises and they were getting stopped out. Now, as far as the bullion banks not getting stopped out, they have deeper pockets and they have a good uh, spread of positions. You can see the spread numbers here between their long and their shorts. So overall, you know, they do have long and short so they can exercise. They also participate in the physical markets. But the question is, will the stop the swap dealers at one point given the fact that they also have a lot of shorts get stopped out at some point like TD Securities did. Will the, the TD Securities case lead to a bigger issue with the bigger bullion banks? And could that lead to contagion, not only in the precious metals market, but in the banking market as well? And that's something that we're going to follow going forward. Uh, I, I thought the video was very interesting. There are more parts of it in the second half where they go deeper into the professional market, what happens with gold, how silver can spike and all of these types of things. Those are all important to know, but really the first part of that video is the most important because the big revelation is that they're admitting, one, a lot of silver is coming off the market. Who's taking it off the market? Who is participating? How that market actually works and how spot prices are really determined by the derivative trade and it's no longer the physical trade. And the physical trade at this point really has nothing to do with the prices. So what that means is that's an opportunity for people in that market. If they think there's a price dislocation, like I do right now, between what reality should be and what we're actually seeing, that you get into that market and there could be some nice returns for you in the future. Of course, do your own research. We're not financial advisors, but that's the data we see. And again, that data was backed up in a professional interview with the LBMA and uh, the metals focused uh, folks that put together that interim silver report for the Silver Institute. Uh, I'm going to have much deeper, I think, conclusions about what's going on with the silver market in Unfiltered, which you'll see this Friday. So if you're interested in uh, supporting the channel, uh, you can sign up to support us there at the second tier, and that second tier will have access to that. We do Unfiltered videos every two weeks, and it's where I get on more on the speculative end and kind of tell you what I really think about stuff that I think fits more there because it's sort of a, a private club. We can talk about those things. And we'll continue to put out the research on the regular channel. This has been coverage of that interim silver report and the conversation with the LBMA. And I think some of the astounding revelations we had from that, I think it's very interesting. I think it edifies a lot of what we said on this channel. And again, as we continue to go through here, the big thing I want you guys to understand, we constantly talk about how we predict things before other people because we talk about this stuff in light of what's going on. And then two to three to four years later, you'll have industry experts come out and confirm everything we've been saying for the last two years. So everything we've been saying about how this market works and how the paper trade affects the prices and how it's leading to structural deficits of the actual physical, because we don't have reality in the pricing of the commodities is starting to come to fruition and how we're likely to have a big bull market in the commodities going forward, which I think will be led by both uh, gold and silver in the precious metals. And I think that interview is just a key little piece in understanding what we've been saying and the potential for our investment thesis to come true is actually very high. It's a nice little confirming piece there. So we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up, guys. Thank you so much for stopping by the channel. Remember, Unfiltered this uh, this weekend, this Friday, Saturday, where we talk about what this actually means to the broader markets and what silver shortage could turn out to look like in 2023 and 2024. Until next time, this is Rob Keynes with Gold Silver Pros.